0: We're not suitable for life. And yet we were here. That could be considered a miracle, evidence for God. But since the universe is compatible with life, then suddenly that's credited with God. So there's there's nothing about the position of the universe I could tell that would disprove to you the existence of God. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's that. Um, the way to think about the way I think about the government is that they're not, not, no one of them in, in itself is some kind of knockdown, down, drag out proof uh, of the reality of theism or, or anything else. And, and so I would you know, immediately confuse that. On the other hand, if the anthropic arguments are not important, why is it that everyone's falling over themselves to get out of it? Okay? In other words, why do we have multi-universe theories? Oh, well, it's actually not an accident because there are billions and billions of uh, universes in which one at least will have the conditions that we have and and we are here, therefore that explains it. So, I think it's true, I I, I acknowledge that it's not a, a final proof, but I think, nevertheless, you're too dismissive because there are people who are very nervous about the anthropic argument, and because they think that actually that isn't in any way the observations of fine tuning. Are in any way more consistent with the, the picture of the design and than than not? So that's certainly my argument. My, my answer to that. Even Penrose, that's the sort of the railway argument. Um, yeah, it's very easy to sell off that company. I don't know that I, I don't know that I accept that. I don't know that I adopt it. I think that it, it is certainly the case that if we adopt the reductionist view of the brain and of thought, then we will in the end end up disproving ourselves. Because if my, if my thought is nothing but an epic phenomenon uh, on the event, uh, on the reductionist events of my brain, then that thought is worth just uh, that much. Nothing. So there are some deep self-contradictions in a view of the brain and of thought, which, which is purely reductionistic, sure quite apart from the argument that put forward, and in fact, maybe he is saying, by the way, for those of you who don't know, Roger Enrose says maybe actually the brain is inherited from the chemistry, he Structure. Next question. How do you define miracles? How do you define miracles? as scientists how we look at miracles. We ask scientists how we look at Yeah. Okay. How do we How do we define miracles? This is the first part of the question, and secondly, how do we approach these as science? Okay. It's hard to give a concise answer. Here's very quickly my take on what miracles are. First, I would say a miracle is a mighty act which points to a revelation of God. That's my understanding of what a miracle is. Following up on that is what is therefore our approach to miracles as scientists. I would say actually our approach to miracles as scientists isn't so terribly different from our approach to miracles as anybody else. And that is that miracles can be, might be, uh, violations of, in shorthand, let us say, violations of the laws of nature. In other words, they, 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 are, they are events that go beyond the normal workings that we understand nature to be. I believe that there is no uh, basis for science to say that those the, the substances are ruled out hand. science is in a position that, it, that is unable to test. Where such events take place or not, because if they are in the nature of things unique events, um, brought about you know, by the will of God, then it is in the nature of things they can't be put to experimental test. So that puts us in a, position, in, a, in a sort of position which is, you know, maybe good or bad, depends on where, how you look at it. We aren't going to be able to prove that something is miracle. I think the Roman Church is mistaken in thinking that they can. Prove that things are miracles scientifically. I don't think you can do that. You also can't prove that they didn't take place because they, have, they would be miraculous if they did. But those types of miracles, which for shorthand we could call, you know, law brain miracles, are not the only types of miracles there are. And in fact, the Bible is very clear about it. If, if you look at the founding uh, event of the. Faith and people of Israel, which is the Exodus, that was brought about by a miracle, right? A prophet of the great sea. So that's the big story. But if you look at that story, and, and and read what the Bible actually says, what it says is the Lord drove back the sea by a strong wind all night and. The rock, so that they could go across. In other words, what I'm saying is that in that founding miracle, which was a miracle, I, I assert, I affirm that was a miracle, the Bible offers a natural, and in a certain sense, a, a scientific explanation of how it happened. There was a persistent east wind and it blew the sea back. And that's the reason why the red sea was able to be crossed. So this is an example, a biblical example, and there are others a physical example of a place where the writers of Scripture saw God's hand at work as a mighty work of God, as a miracle, even though it was not something which violated the normal run of events in nature. In fact, he says it was. he didn't. But it was, if you like, a coincidental miracle. So there are, the, there are types of miracles which are recognizable as a mighty act of God, even though they don't break the laws of the nature, quote unquote. So, Okay. That's my opinion. And she went into the hospital. And the doctors said, you know, the problem is really bad. The probably won't recover. And if she does, you know, she's going to brain damage. And it turned out that these people were uh, Christian people. And so they said, well, we're going to pray. So they prayed. And they brought in their um, pastor from their church. And, and the pastor prayed to so the Holy Ghost. And uh, within about 10 days, I girl came out of the hospital. Uh, and was back in a week or two, I went to sleep my daughter. Now, was that a miracle? You now, if you ask the doctor what they will say, is, well, he uh, thought it was a marked effect. What, what all these thoughts have you know It's not true, one way or the other, that this was a miracle. They can say what they would have expected. They already had said that. And it a Bible. But, does that prove it's a miracle? No. They want to done. What I say, I say it was a miracle. And I, I say that it was evidence for the goodness of God's um, and, and the God And it confused with the parents and the family. And who is to say um, that that is not a much more deeper reality uh, than the agnosticism of the scientific position? The truth is, science can only take us so far. And, what, and when it's taking it us that far, we have to stop. But I don't think that's the whole life. I don't think that's the whole life experience. Another question. Anyone? Yeah, i it? Uh, Andrew Dixon White. I think the experiment you should mention that both White and Cornell were Christians who considered themselves to be Christians. And if you look carefully the title of his book, It's The History of Warfare between Science and Theology within Christendom. That, that's true. Uh, Andrew Dixon White, even in the preface of this book, is very careful uh, to say that he's not against in Christianity. He said, you can't sectarian religion. Now, what did he mean by that? What he meant was that? that he was against a kind of foundationalist or affirmationalist sort of approach to Christianity, That he, he was against religion that set themselves up as having doctrines, as having uh, creeds, as having historical connections. <coughs> he was very much in favor of a vague sort of religiosity. That. And and that was his position. The problem is that his uh, the vagueness of his religiosity, my view, does not leave open the possibility of a kind of, of climate uh, and historic Christianity in which in which I am part of. So from my perspective, his Christianity is such is such a shallow bay and woody that Rather like P.J. Gould, for that matter, who also but not anti religious in that sense, that, that, it, um, that it that sort of rules out the force of the faith which I believe. But another way, he was very anti evangelical um, because he regarded any kind of evangelical approach to Christianity as sectarian. And he thought that such sectarian Christianity was the source of all kinds of wars and evil things on the surface. And that, or well, the end and corner of that natural world were by the so derived from all that extension, and that was my character's Any other questions or comments? Yeah. Uh, during this discussion, we had two uh, questions. One is that we um, claim that uh, Christianity was a fertile soil for science, uh, But that it was pointed out that in ancient Greece. So, you know, Nobody believes in Christianity, and yet people were very, philosophers were very interested in the issues of matters, and they debated and they tried to understand how humans come about it. And all of a sudden, they said so. the second point was, uh, related to science and evolution, and why, you know, whether uh, there's any kind of conflict. So okay, the first question is: are there other cultures in science? Has flux. I think that sort a moment of shortening that. And, I mean, yes, there uh, are. And, and obviously the Greeks learned a lot, to make made sure they described in mathematics, in some forms of philosophy and so forth. And Greek science, per um, se, was accomplished with a tremendous contribution to the growth of God's humanity. But it was very high-town um, and on a very limited science it was in many ways it's necessary for thought to be liberated from Christian science, from the thought of Aristotelianism that had become kind of enshrined in Christian thought in order for modern science to go forward. So, I don't want to overly play this thought, that Christianity was the fertile soil, you know, the Jewish science group. I think it's a fact of history, but and I don't say couldn't you know, grown up in some other configuration. It simply is the fact that I did. And, and the way in which science is transformed in the period from about 1500 through 1700, scientific revolution, well, or what scientific revolution, was indeed a revolution uh, uh, in of thought as well as in science. So, um, let me not just continue you know, the argument. Yes, there were many other questions. evolution rules out some simplistic interpretation of the first two or three texts again. That doesn't bother me very much in the first one. There are some puzzles that I don't understand. Maybe I want one. But but I don't think that that's so big of a problem. And and in all honesty, although it was a big problem in the um, mid-1900s, in the 19th century, it was mostly a problem in the 19th century because people had a big vested interest in the arguments of design. There was within um, Christian circles and groups of faith in general in those days, um, you know, a big investment in the paid option of you know to find a watch to ensure you know the uh, design and. Darwin's writing, essentially, in the minds of many people, exploded that argument of design. because they showed that it was possible to produce tremendous diversity and complexity with the appearance of design from an evolutionary model. So, if you've got a big investment in the argument of design, Design. I've applied it to biological situation. Yeah, I think there's, I think it sort of you know, pulls the rug out sort of from under your feet. But uh, I just never have that big kind of session. So, so I, I, I just don't have a big problem uh, there. I mean, I think there are bigger problems. But there are, well, let's say there are problems okay. But, but for many people, especially with the and back well, you know, the early problem is years old, the universe's problem is the 15th something like that. But when the Bible talk about that, but I think but you know, it doesn't take much uh, in the way of intelligence interpretation of Genesis to, to see it as making um, more spiritual statements about the nature of human time that lives. History, right? that's, that's yeah. I'll just say that very complex cases based on uh, uh, lots of nature are if there's lot of nature is the can we probably are not we can't, and that's a quick answer. I don't think it's possible to detect on the basis of some kind of time that when the laws uh, of nature have been violated, I don't think you can do it Sometimes, the science the Do you, uh, you not know, fully understand that all the nature is like they have like, everywhere? Well, I think because we don't fully really understand them, we can't demonstrate that they have been violated. But even if we did fully understand them, I still think it was not to demonstrate that they have been violent in any particular one situation. But so what would constitute a scientific demonstration of the violation of the laws of nature would be something that satisfies the criteria of the scientific test, namely repeated it. Is, well, the miracles aren't feasible. You can't do the scientific test for miracles. So, when you're talking about miracles, I think you're sort of stuck with the fact that if science cannot, one way or another, demonstrate miracles. Miracles have to be certain, by faith. And I think. Jesus was very clear about that. You know, when Jesus was challenged by the religious leaders of the dead to prove him, you know, to prove that you're on the side, do, do some wonderful um, work of, of of miraculous power, he wouldn't, by the way, he would not do it. He said that no time will be given, you know, except the time of Jonah. And I think that's because he understood it. That in the end, those kinds of countries, whether they're genuine violations of those laws of nature or not, in the end are not the things which ultimately exist. There are much, much deeper evidences and um, more human evidences. I've like not read the book, I'm saying getting that in that book title, has to do with approaching Christianity as kind of or experimental under the Which is contrary to the character of Christianity, you have to believe that which is candid to you in the heart to I wonder if you could think, out loud that what it would mean is for sure it's end it would be the Christianity kind of teaming up with or Yes, yes, um, the right uh, talking form does speak quite, in that book and in several others, quite um, comprehensively about in the idea of being important. I think it would that he, he, he thinks that one's knowledge has to be based on some kind of experiment, some kind of that can't be just, you know, you think great thoughts and then somehow this great system trickles down from above. Uh, And yet, he thinks that's the way he decides to bottom up, and I think he's right. And he also says, for him, his approach to religious faith is bottom up, based on experience of God, and based on his experiential approach to faith. I think that's a good counterbalance to uh, some of the things I was emphasizing today. You know, I, I don't want to be misunderstood as saying that you know religion is sort of something you, you can't know the answer about or, 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 or there is no experience component to religion, it's all somehow theoretical or all looking to Bible, for example, as you're saying. I think that's completely completely same. I think there are evidence and many of these are in personal experience. Which uh, go to persuade a person uh, one way or another whether they uh, think of faith of, of, of Christian doctrine and their experience of God is real. But I think these are by and large non scientific And I think one of the reasons I threw in for law my list of disciplines which are non scientific at, at, at heart in their whole epistemological approach because I think many of the evidence that's that we should sure and do pay attention to for, for the for the truth of Christianity are more like legal proof, are more like legal evidence than they are like scientific evidence. And part of the reason they're they're more like legal evidence, of course, they're, they're everyday, evidence. you know, there are things like you know, did this happen and so forth. That's one aspect. The other aspect is, in the end. We can't defer the decision. In the end, in the not-too-distant end, you know, we, you and I, have to form or follow an opinion about the claim that Jesus Christ, And whether we like it or not, we're making that kind of decision. Uh, whether we choose to follow or not to follow. And we have to do it, in a sense, that's not incomplete, and we constantly defer and say, Well after I haven't got science to proof yet so I also suppose how just the uh, judgment. In the end we have to make up our mind. So I think that that's another thing in which this bottom up is important. Right? It's, it's a good source for the idea of the one more question. Yeah. What do you propose we do to, to get this separation of science and scientism out of our Public school teacher training programs and our academic scientific training programs. How do we separate the scientism uh, as Christians? What can we do? Uh, Are the intelligent designers going about it the right way? Ooh. Well, I I've read a lot of the IMD, um, materials and and uh, I think there's an interesting idea that It's what thinking about. I don't think it's a good, a good <coughs> approach to addressing the question of, uh, of taking scientists from its place in particular higher I think it's a rather bad way to approach bad scientists for that. Whatever may be called a And the reason is because it, it's essentially conceiving the science, science. The problem with ideas is that it's by and large thing, yeah, okay, you know, the knowledge we have is predominantly science, but by the way, uh, science can lead you to the point where you realize science is incomplete. So it's sort of relying on science uh, um, to, to somehow disprove itself, or, or at least lead you to a point where you have to make another leap and say there was a design. Um, now, I don't know how good goes are, in the but I, I do worry about the fact that it seems to be conceiving the ground of science and from. from Day one, whether we are saying that, but uh, at the very least, that the most chosen non-Skip one, and that, and it's very close to saying all the non-Skip areas of time. So, uh, I don't think I think it's necessarily, the right, it's necessarily the right approach. You know, the only way I'm going to approach this is to try to pay attention to what I said you know, earlier on in my talk, is pay attention to drawing this distinction between what is demonstrated and what is speculation? And I think that every time we see that, it's very important for us as intellectuals and as people um, who are trying to find the truth as part of our calling in universities. you know, focus in on okay, it doesn't follow that call So I would argue that if it's the the best way to go about it. the waiting part because I think um, that Christianity is incredibly intellectually respectful and I believe that it is in many ways the clearest and uh, most rational way of understanding what our world as a whole is about. Um, and again, it's not faith in science, but it is, to me, our faith is not faith in and it's not, you know, like the Red team said, it's not believing six impossible things before breakfast. It is I'm putting faith in things that maybe are not scientifically demonstrated, but for which the evidence is nevertheless quite uncoverable. Thanks very much.